Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Or do you find it really hard to answer that question? I do. It depends so much on my mood or how work is going or whether I have the kids with me that day. Maybe you're an introvert who loves to talk or an extrovert who needs some quiet time in the garden most days. Ali Walker started out as a criminal lawyer and went on to study group dynamics. She's written a book about our different ways of being in the world and connecting with others. It's called Click or Clash. Ali, welcome to Life Matters. Thanks so much for having me. Now, you teach people to how to connect for a living, but you admit that even you can be socially awkward sometimes. <laughs> Tell us about the first date with your now husband. Yes, well, I thought it was a great way to open the book just to, I guess, humanise and normalise all of our awkward interactions. So back in 2007, my, my now husband and I went on our first date. And looking back on it, at the time, I thought it was really awkward and I thought it was a failed first date. But if I actually analyse it from the perspective of my model that I've since developed, not necessarily as a result of that terrible first date, um, but as a result of the research I subsequently conducted, I now realise that there were some really interesting and important things that went on in that awkward first date. For example, uh, it, there was one point where he... I tried to impress him. He's a chef. I tried to impress him by saying, oh, no, I don't like Roma tomatoes. He said, you'll be okay then because these are cherry tomatoes. <laughs> and and I tried to impress him saying a few other things. And then I thought, well, if I don't impress him with my knowledge of food, which is very limited, maybe I'll impress him by talking about my research in collective consciousness. Now, we all know how that would end up, talking to a tired person about that. Now, at one point he looked at his watch which is actually a terrible sign for a first date. Oh, yes. But then in response, I said, is there somewhere you need to be? Or is there a – I can't remember what were my exact words. And in that moment, it, I mean, normally I would never say that to someone in a social situation. <laughs> is, there, is there somewhere you need to be? Is there a problem? Um, and then later on, uh, after the date, which, I, as I said, was really awkward, he called me when I was on my way home and he said, was that really awkward? <laughs> so – so both of those questions that we asked each other, even though they weren't necessarily polite questions, basically we communicated to each other, I, we want to tell the truth to each other. We want this to be important. Mm. And, and I, so one of the themes of the book is very much around taking micro risks in connection. And often we don't do that because it makes us feel extremely uncomfortable and vulnerable. And so we try to protect, we try to self-protect in connection, uh, lest, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just, I thought we should probably clarify for listeners before we move too much into the depth of things, the, the model that you use, that you've got, mm. you know, uh, degrees of frequency of social interaction and degrees of intensity of social interaction. Uh, and they make huge differences in, in our ways of being in the world. Can you tell us a little bit about the different uh, places people fall on that spectrum? Absolutely. So we know that belonging and loneliness are two sides of the same coin, this extremely important public health issue. And we know that people who experience more belonging are happier and have greater sense of well-being. People who experience chronic loneliness have 50% less risk of 50% uh, greater risk of dying early. So it's a really important issue that we need to understand. But the issue is if you say to someone, okay, well, tell me exactly what belonging looks like for you systematically, people sort of tend to think, oh, well, I just know it makes me feel like I can be myself or I feel like home. So what I wanted to do is create this model so that people are able to identify exactly what belonging and connection look like for us. So 
there's two elements of human connection and belonging that are really easy to understand. And, and just through a simple explanation, you should be able to identify what that looks like for you. So frequency is how much human connection you need with other people or basically your appetite for human connection. So we are all familiar with the words extrovert, introvert, and ambivert is the mid-frequency connector. Now, it's really easy to understand if you're extrovert or introverted. If you were designing your perfect weekend would you want to be with other people for more than 50% of the time? If so, you are an extrovert or a high-frequency connector. If you'd like to be on your own for around half the time and with others for around half the time, you're a mid-frequency connector. And if you'd prefer to be on your own for more than 50% of the time, you're a low-frequency connector, otherwise known as introvert. But that could so change, couldn't it, depending on what's been going on for you that week or that part of your life, you know, that people have different needs for quiet time and solitude and, and interaction and affirmation from other people at different times, don't they? So absolutely. In your introduction, I was I was reflecting on the fact that I think you're definitely a mid-frequency connector because typically, and I've, I've now run workshops with thousands of people, nearly 10,000 people have taken my assessment, which actually comes free with the book uh, to work out your connection type. But typically mid-frequency connectors are the ones that say, oh, but it changes, doesn't it? With the day and with our experiences and depending on how I'm feeling, that's a, mi- a typical mid-frequency connector because you are able to go either way depending on the context, whereas there are entrenched... always been that way. Like, it's really interesting because for most of my life, you know, 50 years or so, every single person I know would have said, you are a high-frequency, high-intensity connector. But, you know, various life changes over the past few years, lockdowns, relationship issues, uh, you know, losing close friends, things like that, have really shifted the way I interact with the world and meant that I'm looking for much more kind of uh, quality time with people. And also, the, you know, just my life circumstances have changed. So I have the kids with me 50% of the time and that, that really changes your view of, you know, solitude. So do you feel like yeah. personality in this sense could be and, and connection type could be mutable over time? Absolutely. So my research shows that every person's frequency needs decline over time. So we only have to think about how much we went out as a teenager compared to how much we want to go out as adults to see that our frequency declines. Uh, And in addition, life circumstances, as you described, absolutely also affect our connection type. So we see these gradual shifts in, and in fact, I speak to a lot of women who say to me, I used to be high frequency, high intensity, And as I've gone through my life, I've become mid or low frequency, but still high intensity. So it's just this this life shift that happens. Um, So that's, that's frequency or how much. The other really important element, which is the original element that the book introduces, is intensity. So intensity is how you bond with others. Uh, High-intensity people bond through talking, animated conversation, engaged, meaningful exchanges. Low-intensity people bond through shared positive experience where there's no pressure to talk. So going fishing, going kayaking, going to the gym, seeing a movie. And so it's really interesting when you compare the, the frequency and intensity preferences to give someone their connection type, you can have absolutely different approaches to relationships that explain why we click with some people and clash with others. We're speaking with Ali Walker and her book, is called Click or Clash, based on the idea that we have these different ways of connecting with each other and, and experiencing the world, really. Ali, is there a strong evidence base for these ideas? Uh, is there hard science to back, back your model up? Excuse me. Yeah, sure. So 
absolutely there is hard science to say that human connection is our greatest psychological need. So when it comes to human connection, we think of our needs in terms of relatedness. So the the Harvard study of adult development, which is the longest running study of, of how we thrive and how we experience life over time running since 1938, has followed people into their 80s. And the ones that are thriving, they ask them what they attribute their life satisfaction to. And the ones who uh, report those high levels of satisfaction attribute this in their 80s to the quality of their social relationships. And since about 2010, there's been this explosion of research uh, looking at the impact of loneliness and looking at the impact of human connection. So, then the next step is, okay, well, if you break down what does loneliness look like for some people and what does human connection look like for some people that's po- in a positive sense, loneliness is very different for every single person. That's why it's not so simple to say, okay, everybody needs the same kind of connection every day. Uh, loneliness is very subjective. And this is one of the important points in the book that I make, that al- being alone is not being lonely. Loneliness is the gap between what you want to experience and what you are experiencing. Well, and just, so it, just in the time that we have left with you, Ali Walker, I, I guess that idea creates interesting implications for the ways we design our our workplaces and our public spaces, doesn't it? If, if we're catering to people with different types and, and levels of need of social interaction, could you t- talk a bit about that, some of the ways we might adapt our world? Absolutely. I think that since conducting this research and writing this book, I now believe that our entire society, it's a big statement to make, that our entire society should be based on human connection at its foundation. Because it's our greatest psychological need, everyone's greatest psychological need, if we get it right, then all of our other public health outcomes are going to flow from there. So health outcomes, education outcomes, uh, workforce participation outcomes, financial outcomes all flow from whether we are experiencing human connection positively. So I would be uh, so passionate about children on their first day of school identifying their connection type, people in a workplace identifying their connection type, and then making adjustments based on those connection types so that people can actually set up their lives around how they experience belonging. So you were talking about the, the, the science base about our need to connect, but, but your model is very fine-grained. You know, it places people very specifically on a spectrum and it has kind of sub-headings uh, uh, about your boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there research that, that can so specifically define people? Because I guess part of me goes, do I really want to have, you know, a Myers-Briggs type test applied to every school child and, and, uh, and worker the day they step through the door? I, and I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm not about typecasting people for the rest of their life. It's The reason I have set this up is that it's all preference-based. So in the book, there's actually a QR code you can hover your phone over that, that gives you access to the free personality assessment. And you'll see in that assessment that all of the questions are very much based on your preference. How many, how many conversations do you have per day? How many conversations would you prefer to have per day? So it's not type, it's not giving people a type based on uh, some algorithm. It's basically asking people what they want to experience, what helps them thrive, what helps them to be more most productive. And I guess I'd be seeing this with a view to be completing it, you know, 
every half year or every year to see whether your connection type is adjusting or changing. So it's very much a reflection of your preference rather than a given type that sticks Mm. with you for your life. Well, that makes sense. I guess what our listeners will want to know from you, Ali Walker, is that uh, whether this is based on psychological research or or neuroscience or things like that, or whether the model kind of just draws on your your kind of understanding of how we operate. Is is there research that feeds into it? So the big five personality traits, which is the consistent, how we understand personality over time uses the introversion extroversion scale in relation to relatedness. So that is correlated with that, with your frequency type. Absolutely. The intensity scale, that is something new that I've introduced based on research in arousal and valence in psychology. So these concepts of how we approach human connection, how much we like to talk, how much how we bond with others is based on existing concepts in psychology uh, that haven't yet been converted into uh, personality type. Well, and it is good just to clarify that. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to do that and for telling us a bit about your book, Click or Clash. It was great to chat to you. Thanks for having me on. Ali Walker, PhD. The book is called Click or Clash and it looks at some of the uh, ideas behind why we might instantly decide we like someone or instantly decide that they're not for us. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.